Greetings, Poe fans. Welcome to another edition of Poe Unplugged. I am Carmen Bolden. And I am Jeannie Smith. And we are the Potastic Two. Come Zoom with us into the Unbook Club dedicated to the works of Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. Welcome, everyone. We are once again back for our Poe Unplugged in this wonderful month of October. And this month, we are going to discuss Alone, the poem by Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, very cool, Dr. Jeff. I love it. You printed it out. Awesome. Now, one one of the wonderful things about this is that it never got published until 1875. Now, they didn't actually think there was a lot of people saying that, no, it wasn't actually Poe work or anything. And I think they finally confirmed it, that it was one of his works and that they got it, you know, an idea that he wrote it around about 1829. So when he was about 20 years old. And I was thinking to myself, thinking about what was, you know, happening in his life around that time. And... I'm like, was that like before or after he went into the army? So I think, wasn't that right before he joined the army? It, it would have been before. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. If they're saying, wait, wait, are they saying that they think 18, it was written? They're saying it was 1829. So he would have been about oh, no, 20 he years would've, old. He would have just gone into yes. it. Well, he would have been in the army actually for a little while. Yeah, because he was, lie about his age. Join. He did. He so, did. Yeah. Yes. Um, Sorry, I had to think back to that, that part of my. And see, that's kind of confusing because you have to remember he actually lied and said he, he lied about his age, but he was like yep. eighteen at the time, mm-hmm. so and he didn't have was, permission. Yeah, of course yeah. not. I mean, why? <laughs> All right, so I'll let you guys start. What's your, you know, ideas, thoughts, attitudes, just. Give me something about Alone. Who wants to start? I love this poem. This is like one of my all-time favorites. It's just I really, really relate to this. Um, I'm pretty much have been an outcast my entire life. So when I read something like this, the sense of like being alone, whether it's like seclusion of you're secluding yourself or you just feel different than other people, it's just mm-hmm. something I can really uh, relate to. And I think, like, there's a different dynamic in the poem where he switches to the part where he actually says, like, he knew he was different when he was born, essentially. But then he has, like, this, like, this dawn, like, literally, like, a dawn. He kind of sees why he is Mm -hmm. different. To me, he kind of took it as, like, he sees this demon, which may be, like, a literal, not literal demon, but maybe, like, figuratively, maybe for him, alcohol or whatever it is for anyone to relate to yourself that this is maybe why he's different or, like, you know, like, relate to yourself. But I, I love the poem. I think it's awesome. Or perhaps, yeah, I, or perhaps like, the demon is his gift, which maybe he thought was a blessing and a curse. That's uh, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, some of what he wrote might not have been understood or appreciated by people because, you know, uh, it, it was uh, in a horrific vein or would be in the future. Right. Um, I kind of, this might sound a little strange, but it almost, seems like something that was written quite some time ago obviously you know one of his earlier works it almost has that teen angst kind of feel to it yeah if you understand what like the like the oh woe is me aspect (laughs) in the sense that the demon may have been the fact or or the thing that made him different may have been the fact that he was an orphan the fact that he had no money the fact that you know his father couldn't stand him like you know that that's kind of what I get from that Mm -hmm. that makes any sense so that's kind of what it says to me that's just to me yeah well and I'm I'm right there with you because if it's you know if it's fitting that he wrote it around about his you know late teens early 20s that is very much a hard time of life for many people Mm -hmm. because you're in a transition um and then also, the way I read it, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. It was a lot of, like, teen angst. But at the same time, it's like you, 
to me, it, it's like the development of life. You know, like when you're a child, you're brand new, you're innocent, you're, you know, when you're first born, you start getting your personality and getting everything by what's around you and by the people you interact with. And then by your teen years, you're, you know, getting hit by all the emotions and the, the wonderful hormones. <laughs> so it kind of feels like you are a demon in disguise because you don't know half the time whether you're to be happy or sad or kind of like going through menopause, but puberty. So, <laughs> so, but at this time, and I mean, when I thought about it, when I found out when they said that they think this is when he was written, it was written. All I could think about was if he was in the military at this time and from all accounts and purposes of everything that's kind of been recorded about that, he truly kind of felt alone being in that position. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. And, um, so I just, you know, I mean, he took a different name, you know. So in essence, when I was reading this, I'm like you, it's like the demon is the Edgar Perry, in my opinion. That's who he is. And that's why he thought he was alone. Now, I don't think he actually named it alone. I think they actually named it for him or, you know, titled it for him based on yeah. what he wrote. Yeah, because I remember, like, when I first read this poem a long time ago, and I was thinking maybe hopefully somebody knew, and I was, like, way too lazy to look it up, so I apologize. <laughs> I thought I had saw it entitled The Outsider, or am I just being crazy? I don't know where, or maybe I just made that up. I don't know. And then was, like, uh, when they published it, they titled it alone. Because I had seen the original, because he wrote it in um that woman's book, excuse me, I can't think of her name, like, that, 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 uh, that poet chick, and everybody was trying to court her, so they were, like, writing poems in there and she would kind of take it as like flirting with her and right her. Her. <laughs> yeah so i lost what i was thinking about but yeah, <laughs> yeah. i only, oh, but I was I thinking i had used to have a different title that's what it was about but yeah i thought yeah. like i had seen his handwritten in there because he actually wrote as uh his brother henry's poem in there as well and, and signed it right. as henry poe but I, for some, some reason i think he gave it a title and it wasn't alone but yeah, I, I, I remember reading something about that, too. Go ahead, Jeff. I read uh, that uh, he dated the poem March 17th, 1829. And, and that would mean that just one month before he wrote this, his foster mother had died. That would make sense, too. Ooh, so that would true. add to his melancholia. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I read about this as well, so this was good. Uh, good for me to jump in right here. <laughs> good. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and I think one of the things about this poem is that anyone that reads it, it it will call to you, no matter what. I mean, no matter what place in life you are, whether you're you know young and a teenager reading it, mid age or old or whatever. Because to me, the poem is really good because it can fit any aspect of your life, anything that might be happening at that time. And mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the things that makes it so worldly or just appropriate any time. I mean, it's grief to me. That's what it was, you know, Yeah, the whole thing. Whether he be demon, whether he be, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Now we're you know, going into Clint Eastwood there. But anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I mean, this was, I'm going to, you know, I'm probably going to hate saying this, but as far as personalized, I think this is his most personalized poem out of everything I've read of his, you know, I mean, yes, I can see him in his other works like the Raven and, you know, El Dorado and all those. But to me alone is the closest, closest I can ever see of just being Poe, you know, not being a narrator, not being anything, just being Poe, mm -hmm. you know, am I wrong in that? Or just is anybody else get that feeling? Cause I mean, it just, you can feel his pain and everything else that he does. But to me, this was, you know, 
this was the most I could feel everything. Yeah, I, I agree, Jeannie. Um, and like, even like kind of dissecting some of the lines, um, when he talks about, you know, passion, the, the passions, it was around line four, um, being a, it's like he could not be a poet around his foster family or his foster father. And, you know, I, I don't have the poem pulled up right the second. Cause I, I seriously got here, put my stuff down and turned on the computer, but, um, well, let me find the line. Or, Hold oh, on, actually, I've got it up right here. Okay. Actually, you said not, what it, line four, line four, mm -hmm. line four, my passions from okay. a common spring. Is that the one? Uh huh. Mm -hmm. My passions with and say the the second part of it. The common spring from the same source I have not taken. My sorrow I could not awaken. My heart to joy at the same tone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like his passions at that age were that he was a true poet and he couldn't share that with his foster father. I mean, mm -hmm. he could with his foster mother. And so what he loved, he could not express to somebody that should have been a huge influence on him, but it turned out so horribly with, you know, John Allen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that made him feel even more isolated as well, that he didn't have a male figure, you know, a father figure that he could look up to at this point. It's kind of where I took that line from. It makes sense because we were already discussing that he's pretty much right in the middle of his, uh, army stint while he mm -hmm. wrote this yeah and part of the reason that he probably went in the army is because he did feel alone and he was trying to find some kind of acceptance mm -hmm. uh, and he probably wasn't getting any kind of acceptance anywhere in the military because they're not exactly known for being love and supportive and you know pat you on the back for a good job there are most of the uh, you know the hard tough love I'm not saying they don't respect you i'm just saying that it's not like you know being in the in the bosom of a mother's love pretty much so yeah. well and even back then it was worse than i mean i think they've come around a little bit more now and taking you know emotions and feelings a little bit more serious with yeah, what people go extent. through yeah but back um, then no <laughs> Yeah. Well, and at that time, also, the military was still in its infancy. I mean, yeah. it was barely, yeah. what, 30 years old at that time. So it was more, they were still, I mean, they were still getting a little sum of order in it and getting more military because in 1829, it was kind of right before we went to the Mexican-American War, right after the War of 1812. So, but it was still in that that we were in a scuffle for the Texas independence at the time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he definitely was writing this from a point of grief for his loss of his, you know, stepmother, not stepmother, foster mother, right? Mm -hmm. Foster mother. Is that what they call her? Yeah. yeah. So, and I can see that. And Oh, by the way, uh, Holly, the, the lady's name was Lucy Holmes. Is that the one you were talking about? Cause yeah, that's the said, one where, yeah, that he had wrote it in there. Yeah, it was like kind of like a her way of like getting guys to kind of like court her, kind of like flirting with her with poetry or whatever. But his was the only yeah. one that wasn't flirty. Everybody else was like, like, oh, you're so beautiful. You're this and you're that. And Edgar Allan Poe, that's what he wrote in there, which is awesome. Right? <laughs> Stand out. Well, I what I think is very interesting is this poem is close to being Poe flirty, so yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like Poe flirty, you know. Oh, I will say, now that Doctor Jeff had my said interest, that, yeah, what Doctor yeah. Jeff said about the demon being like like a blessing and a curse in one, I like love that concept and that just fits so perfectly. Like it did not come to me. I love it. Yeah, yeah oh, I, I'm sorry I missed that. I would have, yeah, yeah, I would have liked to have heard that. That that is a really good point, Jeff. That yeah. is a really good point. It's yeah. actually is going to change the next time I read the poem. It's definitely, well, it already changed it for me. I'm going to have to read it after we get off of this and read it again. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the thing I wrote down um, about that last line was a, of a demon in my view, um, you know, coming from the rest of heaven is blue, you know, before it, it was like, 
is the demon Poe reflecting in a mirror? You know, is it the demons inside him? Mm -hmm. And I was getting that mirror image kind of picture in my head of him like staring at himself. And, but it's like, you know, he's, he wasn't what you would think of as a demon is evil, but you know, so it just, it was like, I thought more of his demons, Mm -hmm. but, um, and then the happiness is around him outside of his own world, but he can't experience that is kind of what I kind of took from it, that isolation again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like Jeff's point better. <laughs> That's really a really good point. Well, I thought when he when he said that, you know, when the rest of heaven around me and heaven is blue, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that that just means that everybody else is experiencing something different at the time. And so even though everyone else may be seeing, you know, having joy, having that blue heaven, having that moment he's fighting his own demon you know his demon of whatever it could be and sometimes you do that alone because Mm -hmm. it's very rare to find somebody who is experiencing something like you are at the exact same moment that you are so he feels that he sees he sees the heaven of everything else around him but at the moment he just can't he can't break free of his demon so yeah i mean that that's to me is like the perfect description like jeff said of what the whole poem is about it's like poe is trapped i mean this is you know not just alone but this is his own trap i mean and and to me this is his walled up version of his own world you know because he always talks about you know premature burial he's being trapped in something you've got being walled up in the cask of amontillado you've got you know all these other places to sinking where, ships exactly sinking ships so to me like i was saying this to me is the perfect poe of him saying this is my own drowning this is my own trap this is everything so help me you know it's kind of yeah. like a help me it was a help me poem yeah and the the demons also made me think of annabelle lee just the demons down under the sea and just those those similar themes coming out and it's like yeah now i was just wondering why this one is just so underrated you know why don't we use this one because to me this would be a perfect poem to use in middle school and high school because of the the hormonal and the yeah the melancholy of the the students and where they're at right now yeah this would be a perfect thing for them to help express themselves am i wrong no not at all i mean that's why i said what i said yeah <laughs> you know because it it really does give it has that that feeling mm-hmm. yeah yeah, the yeah. more the more I was reading it, um, I, I should have been grading papers, but I was doing my research while I was waiting for parents <laughs> to come in. Um, and uh, I was like, I, I actually thought about adding this uh, when we do Annabelle Lee next nine weeks in the spring, because I always I'll already add Dream Within a Dream. And I may just throw this one in too, because this is so good. And I think the kids would really dive into this one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's short enough to where it wouldn't take up a whole, a whole lot of information or a whole yeah. lot of time in the class. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder, cause I've heard, you know, speaking of Will was asking about anybody watching the fall of house of Usher yet. And I, mm-hmm. I also haven't started watching it yet. Like Carmen said, we we're kind of waiting to do, you know, kind of on our own to watch it together. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been out of town. What Jeannie, almost the whole month of October, yeah. except you for guys are always school. doing something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't go month. out. I watched it all. I watched one day. Like was the second day was released. I told my husband, we're, I bought Netflix for the month. We we're going to watch the whole thing in a day. <laughs> there you go. But I have been reading some, some reviews here and there. Not a lot. But someone said something about how it's not not all about the fall of House of Usher, but there's so many different nuances where they're pulling in a lot of Poe. 
you know, a lot of his other. That's what I heard too. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, are we going to treat this like some kind of scavenger hunt? Because that I mean that would be kind of cool. It's like the fall of the house of Usher becomes a scavenger hunt of finding all the uh, allusions that they may have to all of Poe's works. So, mm-hmm. oh, it's a lot. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why. That's that's what Levi and I are going to be talking about. Ooh, nice. Cool. Nice. <laughs> so we look forward I, there. I'm, I'm gonna have. To, I'm gonna have to have like the beginning of the like the first half of the episode is gonna or at least the first third is gonna have to be spoiler free oh yeah right? oh yeah spoiler definitely. free and then i'm gonna do a countdown three and i'm gonna be like all right we're gonna be spoiling it sorry guys but here we go yeah <laughs> oh they even yeah. brought in toby damn it yay that oh nice so nice nice yeah some guy named toby is speaking and one of the characters says toby damn it <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, there was I mean, a lot of Beth your devil your head. I don't want to give anything away, but I was kind of surprised. I said to my husband, I was like, I wonder if we just didn't do that on Poe Unplugged if I would have picked up all those like one liners from that story. That's yeah. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that, that's what I'm saying. Hey, maybe we could turn it into follow the house of us or drinking game. <laughs> oh <my laughs> you there are so many references, it's it's actually overboard. Uh, it was kind of like uh, you'd be drunk are, within the first episode. Are are there oh, references yeah. to first alone? 10 minutes? Yeah. Are yeah. there any references to the poem alone? Did y'all catch any? Not that I've seen. Mm, okay. Not that I you know know what? remember. I, no. But yeah, I didn't. I mean, they do a couple verbatim quotes, time, but so. I don't know if, of that one particularly. Yeah. Be interesting that, if you know. Yeah, you're gonna have to go oh, back that's and a, rewatch it. That's a great idea. We'll do a live Zoom and watch the show together. <laughs> I like that. Would be a poem quote. There we go. Yeah. That would be very interesting. We could give our own little commentary. We'd be like uh, Siskel and Ebert for the Poe world. Would be um, <laughs> Mystery Poe Theater uh, 1800. There we go. <laughs> Mystery Yay. Poe Theater 1800. There we go. Or 1809, 1849. 1809. Yeah, exactly. 1809. <laughs> Micah's doing the, the yeah, the little laugh, laughing cry, laugh, yeah. cry emoji. Um, did y'all talk about, you know, cause I, I can't, re- I wasn't even sure what time I jumped in. Like I said, I just ran in here. Um, did y'all talk about the part of the poem where the line of in its autumn uh, tint of gold, did y'all mention anything about that? No, we hadn't um, gotten that far. <clears throat> okay. Um, <clears throat> the, when I read that line, my first thought was Robert Frost with yes. nothing gold can stay. Jeff, did you think the same thing? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, stay go gold pony boy. Cause that's the, mm-hmm. you know, with the outsiders. And I just felt like um, with thinking about Robert Frost's poem and some of the other things that Poe mentions, you know, the fountain, the mountain, the sun, the autumn leaves, the lightning, the thunder that, mm-hmm. you know, even though a mountain is something that's going to be there, it erodes, you know, it, it you know, it changes mm-hmm. and <clears throat> the fountain could stop eventually, but all of the things he mentioned right in those, those few lines, they're all fleeting, just like childhood is fleeting it doesn't stay you know just like the poem nothing gold can stay and so in, in a way i was almost like two these that poem both of these poems could be paired together to compare contrast because there's a lot of nuggets within both that are comparable and so then i'm thinking did robert frost read this poem and kind of borrow possibly Hmm. So, thought any thoughts? What do y'all think? <clears throat> well, I think it's interesting <laughs> that um, when you when you point out those particular words and uh-huh. stuff, all I can think about is the transcendentalist. Yeah, because you know I'm thinking nature. <clears throat> that's pretty <throat> much what they were kind of all about. I mean, Walden's Pond comes to mind. Uh, and those others but at the same time in one aspect I think that Poe was pulling out those particulars because 
in my opinion, is that the seasons are so volatile and they're so different. And that is the one thing that we all, no matter where we are in the world, there's always going to be some kind of differences like thunder and lightning. You know, you usually don't have thunder and lightning without having rain. Yeah. So that could be the epitome of tears. You know, you go through yeah. the shock of lightning, of you know, that, that shock. And then you have that thunder. Death. Which is, Death yeah, could be that. Yeah. And that thunder is, <clears throat> your, you know, is your whole reverberation of dealing with that. And then the tears, which would be the rain. And then autumn, of course, autumn has always been described as the month is where everything dies. You know, fall <laughs> is where everything is dying. Right. Because then winter is where you go and everything is completely covered and walled up, basically. So, and then you don't have until spring and then you're recovering again. So, I think yeah. alone is his, you know, is like you said, it's his next step of where he's reaching out and then he's not gotten there, but he's in his autumn right now. He's in yeah. his death throw. And well, and one of the things I read was it was almost foreshadowing of his early death that he didn't live a long life. And so I thought that was kind of a very interesting thing. And when you think about that, what Jeannie, you just said about the autumn of the years, that uh -huh. also makes me think of a Frank Sinatra song. Oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> also a very good year. Yes. 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 And yeah, I mean, it, it's like, he he was halfway through his life when he wrote this, but um, he kind of was close to being in the autumn of his years. When you think about how old he was when he died. Well, and on that same aspect, during that time, the, you know, life expectancy was not that long anyway. Yeah. You know, so and plus he had already lost his mother. He didn't know who his father was. He just lost his step. I mean, his foster mother. Mm -hmm. so death was death was his friend in my opinion yeah and so he was trying to fight it but knowing that it was an eventuality it was nothing you could escape from but to me to me poe doesn't really what am i trying to say isn't talking mostly about death in my opinion it's like he wasn't afraid of death it's that he was just he hated the emotions that went with it. The things that caused mm -hmm. him to feel what he did, you know, the, the helplessness, I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, think about it. He had to watch Annabelle E die. He, or not Annabelle E, but you know, Vic, Virginia, he had to watch yeah. Virginia. <laughs> I mean, might as well have been Annabelle E. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, yeah. he's had to watch all these people in his life that have that would have been his foundation leave him and leave him alone and leave him to deal with all of this by himself. So I, yeah. I just, I just think, and I wonder if he had originally titled it like Holly said, if it had been originally titled "The Outsider." That would be another reason that he used the termino the terminology of the demon at the very end. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he wanted to be exercised out of, you know, he was being exercised out of life mm -hmm. of everyone else. So I have a weird thing about this poem. I like I love the line, but it kind of confuses me. The line where it says, I'm probably gonna butcher this, like all I loved, I loved alone. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. That's like a weird line for me because he's saying like everything I love, like whether it's a woman or poetry, he's loved alone. So it's this sense of where's this isolation coming from? Because if he loved the, this, like, you know, how, why does he feel that he, no one else loves what he loves? It's not like he's not being loved. It's not like, you know, being returned on him. It's everything that he cares about is not cared about by other people. Like, at least that's how I read it. It's not like, so it's like this weird sense of what makes him feel that way. Because even as like an outsider myself, like the things that I care about, I know other people care about too, even if they may not, that may not be reflected onto myself. I just feel like it's a beautiful line and it sounds amazing. 
but there's a lot of complexity to it. And I'm not really sure what he necessarily meant for the reader, or if that was supposed to be for us to kind of divulge ourselves. I don't know. Well, well, I guess think about it coming from a, like a writer's aspect. Yeah. Um, like I have always had a very hard time sharing my poetry with other people because all it takes is one person that you're really excited about sharing it with and have them be like, Oh, that that's nice. And it makes you feel all of a sudden like someone just attacked your child and told you it was the <laughs> ugliest baby they'd ever seen. You know, I've experienced and, that. I get that one. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, it's like at the time he really was trying to become a writer. And I mean, Tamerlane was not exactly very well received at all. You know, and so when you put yourself out there like that, being so young, having that kind of rejection, yeah. you know, or, or even some of these people that, you know, you know, maybe not everyone shared his same, like, styling. Not everyone liked his style. He wasn't everybody's cup of tea when it came to writing. And, you know, I mean, John Allen certainly didn't believe in anything that he did. But, you know, that's, I think that's what that line is meaning. That makes a, lot, that think, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think a lot of teenagers do go through that, you know, thinking that all the things that they really love about life, no one possibly can understand it. You know, no one possibly, like, everybody hates it. Nobody loves it. You know, they they and that in and of itself can be a form of isolation. Yeah, and I well, think we I think we as fangirls and fanboys can relate to that <laughs> idea of everything I loved I loved alone because you know so much of what we love other people don't love. You know, the mundanes don't know or care about House of Secrets ninety two or Amazing Spider Man one twenty one. That is very exactly. true. <laughs> Nice deep cuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amongst friends. Exactly. See? Yes. And, and that makes a lot of sense in the whole, you know, in the whole aspect of when you're looking at it from your own internal point of view. Because, yeah. I mean, each one of us, we love what we love. But yes, in, in instance, we are alone with that love because what the love that you might feel for something else may not be the equal, you know, equal to the love that I have for something. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it could just be that, that he was saying that I do feel alone and it's not the same as loneliness. And that's what I, that's one of the things that a lot of people kind of get, you know, confused. in my opinion, a lot of mm -hmm. people get kind of confused that, you know, Feeling alone and feeling lonely to me are two different things. And it just, yeah. you know, and that to me is the epitome of what Poe is writing about here is he feels alone, not only just in his love, but in his life and his, his experience that he's going through at this moment. But that doesn't mean that he's lonely. Does that make sense? Am I just... Yeah, no, it know. does. It makes absolute it, sense. It was what it, I was thinking. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Will added, anytime I try to brag about a new song or album I've just heard, I get really bummed when they say cool and change the subject. Absolutely. Because it's like, you're not interested in what I have to say. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. And, and it's also. I'm more used um, to it now, but back, you know, when I was when younger. younger but, you take yeah, when you're younger, you take a lot of offense to it. Yeah. You get your it feelings hurts. on, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. Micah, Micah added from his unpublished rough draft from two Starbucks, same street twice with their autumn pumpkin spice. Poe was a prophet. <gasps> I call him a prophet. <laughs> Just taste time. That's great. <laughs> a prophet. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, thanks, Micah. <laughs> That's great. I, I suddenly got Speaking it. of Micah, if you haven't uh, listened to our interview with him, it was 
fantastic. So definitely check it out. Yeah, Holly had already, because I'd made mention Any? of it at the beginning. So, oh, yeah. awesome. They had already heard it. It was and good. Excited it about was good. it. I'm good. Uh, but and yeah, y'all now I'm cut up. To... You guys need more content. Come on, guys. Uh, yeah. We're coming. Oh, We're coming. <laughs> We're trying. Oh. No, but now thanks to Micah, I have a picture of Poe standing on the sidewalk holding a Starbucks cup, you know, <laughs> doing like a doing like a live performance of something in a rap version oh, like if only yeah if only. Then, and then where i go is just I because i love happen. the the genre of you know 40s 50s 60s i'm thinking of poe in a black turtleneck and like like g you know black pants and a beret reading you know at a beatnik poetry he did poetry well, but his his mustache would have to be cut. He'd have to have that smaller mustache. Oh, yeah. Sure. Or that. Or, yeah. <sighs> Lord, is... and have, you know, the, the snaps going on once he's done. Absolutely. <laughs> on the end of oh, the smoke in the air. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I can just smell it. It's. <sighs> but, you know, I mean. Jeannie's worst nightmare. Think... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah. Jeff, were you going to say something? Uh, speaking of the Raven, at some of Maya Angelou's speaking engagements, she performed the Raven as a rap. Oh, oh really? Oh, yeah. very How neat. How did I not know that? I don't. <laughs> is that like on YouTube or? I, I don't know, but but she she did it when she spoke in in Nashville years oh, ago. That is really wow. neat. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is really neat. Mm. Now, Jeff, have you ever taught alone in when you were teaching? No, um, I always do Annabelle Lee, and I'm going to do okay. it on Monday, as a matter of fact. I, oh, nice. I, I retired from Tennessee State University, uh -huh. but this semester I am teaching one freshman English class at Nashville State Community College. Oh, awesome. Yes. Oh, that is so cool. Um, okay. And Annabelle Lee is uh, one of the poems that I like to use. I, I, I you know, uh, uh, print off the poems and give the students copies. Another one I loved to read to them is The Earl King by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Nice. Um, but yes, um, uh, I'm uh, on Monday, I'm going to do Halloween horrors from the past, present, and future. And oh, I love that. We're going to look at Annabelle Lee and uh, a story by Lisa Morton called The Fear of Eight Legs. It's mm -hmm. a very scary short story. Okay. I'm and, there with and that. And then we're going to look at a Frederick Brown short story called Blood, about Ooh. vampires who are traveling through time in a time machine. Oh, that wow. sounds amazing. And, <laughs> I uh, need to read that. And, yes. Well, the, I asked the students to, you know, to write about, is this story uh, horror or science fiction, or is it a comedy? And it's all three because of, oh. of the vampires and the time travel and even a, a brief discussion of, of some scientific facts about time travel. And of course, um, uh, it the way it ends is mm -hmm. is uh, a comical surprise. Okay. So yeah, okay. look that one up. Frederick Brown Blood. Okay. I'll Ooh. put that. I'll put that. I'm gonna Blood. type that. Is it? Uh, let's see. Blood by is it F R E D E R R I C? Yes, Frederick Brown. Okay. There we go. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, and and I, another story that I love uh, to do with the students is by Maya Angelou, Why I'm Not a Complainer. Yes. A, a like true story uh, <laughs> of a, a, a talk between her and her grandmother when she was a little girl. But that one is a great mm -hmm. one. And and then I asked the students to write about why you are not a complainer or why you are a complainer. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that would definitely be something Perfect. interesting to... Oh, Brie, yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I um, always loved listening to Maya Angelou. I've seen her a couple of times before she died. And and she always had that cadence. Every time she would read her poems or anyone else's poems, mm -hmm. that you just get lost in it. Because mm -hmm. her voice was like, in my opinion, like molasses. It was like that warm, comfortable like you just heated up in the microwave and it was just flowing over you as she was reading. And then not only that, but the things that she would write about were so 
so what's the word I'm looking for? Relatable. Yeah. They were, they were things that no matter what everyone had kind of experienced or had something to do relating to that. So Yeah. yeah, it was sad whenever she passed, but I'm so glad that we got to, uh, we have her poetry and stuff to continue on kind of like with Poe. So it's always good that we have those continuations that their, their life is in their works. I mean, Poe per, mm-hmm. per, per much everything is his life in his works. And uh, yeah. Um, one more line I want to pick out and talk about real quick. Um, Cause we've got a few, we've got a little bit more time uh, is the mystery which binds me still and in leading up to it it's right after and all i loved i loved alone mm-hmm. then in my childhood in the dawn of a most stormy life was drawn from every depth of good and ill the mystery which binds me still and so i i pondered that for a bit and i didn't e- i didn't write anything down of what i kind of thought it, it, it kind of makes me think of what is this he's referring to? Is it just, you know, why are, is he thinking, why are all these people leaving me? The, you know, the mystery of I'm being left alone. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, what is that mystery he's talking about? And so I just thought that was just fascinating, that line thrown in there. Mm-hmm. And why am I so different from everybody else? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I said it a little bit, Carmen. I touched on it really quickly before you got here. To me, okay. I was just thinking, I mean, I said it really quickly. Like, that line is just kind of like almost like a spiritual, like, awakening. Yeah. That something happened, and then he kind of, it, it kind of all made sense for him. It was like, like, whatever it was. And then he was able mm-hmm. to see, like, okay, I'm this way because of this X XYZ demon or whatever it is. I'm because this is how I, why I am because of how I am. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I just I thought it was just really interesting, especially just, you know, thinking about there is the mystery of his death and how he died. And so it just I don't know, with this being the most autobiographical poem, it I don't know, it just it's it's spooky to me with that line because of thinking about that. Yeah, well, it kind of makes sense, like, what I didn't realize this, but Dr. Jeff had said it, that his stepmother had passed away right around the same time that yes, it was written. That, so that could be, like, that, that awakening, yeah. or yeah, maybe you said, sorry, somebody said, <laughs> yeah, the awakening um, of, you know, like, maybe this is kind of, like, kind of changed his outview on life, like, now he is alone, because his, he's not going to get any help from the stepfather, and maybe he did really, yeah, feel alone. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll add it. I think that mi- that mystery is just him finally saying, but why is this aloneness overcoming me? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah. It just, I don't know. It just, and again, I was doing this while I was waiting on parents. And um, so I, I had some people come in and out. And so it, I don't know. It just, I wrote it down. I was like, what is this? I need to think about it. And I should have listened. I should have thought about it more in the car, but that's okay. No, y'all had good insight. <laughs> well, the one interesting thing that I have um, put together is that you can tell the certain people and the way they're affected by certain things, how they congregate. Like we were talking earlier, you know, things that we love and we would appreciate other people kind of look at us strangely like we've grown two heads or we're like you know the moth you know the moth man and all this kind of stuff put together but then it wasn't until one day I was having a conversation with um, my my best friend Julie and it did not hit me that there are some people that don't have any experience with death or any kind of feelings of abandonment or any type of avenues like that in the early parts of their life it's not until they've gotten mid-age maybe or Mm -hmm. in their late 30s before they start experiencing that and then I started thinking about it going oh my god uh you know how, how can you how can you not have that in your life how can you not experience death or something like that of someone else because my earliest memory 
Well, one of my earliest memories, I was three years old at my grandfather's funeral. So death has been like the marker of my, you know, growing up years and everything. It's like, but you're telling me that you didn't experience an actual death of like a grandparent and, t- and stuff until she was like almost 30 something. And I'm going, wow, that just, that just blows my mind. So it's really kind of hard to to fathom that there's people that are not experiencing what Poe is writing about, that they don't understand that. And that's why maybe sometimes they respond like Will said with, oh, cool, and then change the subject because it's not, you know, it's not part of their, their makeup, their building blocks. So I think it's like, okay. Yeah, they can't relate with those experiences it's 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 even beyond like an empathy sympathy kind of you know feeling because Mm -hmm. it's it's more about can't have you experienced this not necessarily about your feelings but just have you lived through it yeah yeah you know do you have you know it's like people that have gotten in car accidents if you've never been in a car accident you don't know what it's like to have that reaction to a car accident mm-hmm. uh, or a broken bone or you know illness or anything else like that so it just never dawned on me until that conversation and then I'm going no wonder some of my life and my friends have just kind of left me because I am so alone in my experiences and my life and what I'm you know what I'm going through so that to me is why Poe speaks out in this poem. Yeah. Is he's like, why me? <laughs> hey, that would have been a good, a good title. Why me? <laughs> yeah. And I think, cause th- this is my collection and I, it's not in alone is not in the actual, like where it says poems. I don't mm-hmm. even think it's actually in, I was doing a double check. This was something I wanted to look at. It's not even in another section, um, which I thought was really interesting because it is the complete work or complete tales and poems of Edgar Allan Poe, but that one is not in there. I what was year is that from? Uh, let's see. I've had this for a while. Um, this is. 1992 and Mm -hmm. i've i've had it that long hold on let me grab mine which man that makes me feel old (laughs) well and it wouldn't surprise me it not being in there considering that it wasn't published until what 1875 and it wasn't originally part of his grouping because Mm -hmm. isn't all those collections of works by what what was the dude's name that hated him that Griswold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why can't, or, I, I, I know it always starts with a G. We're, some reason, we're, we're going to start. Just don't say his name a third time, okay? He might come back. Yeah. Okay. I kept wanting to well, call him Gargamel, but I'm like, he's not. Well, <laughs> oh, please. National Lampoon's Vacation, Griswold. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. But we're going to say it in Jerry Seinfeld fashion like Newman. Griswold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just going to call so him Gargamel. I, Oh, I think Jeff was going to say something. Yes. uh, uh, In many collections of poetry or stories of not only Poe, but uh, other writers too, the the juvenilia, the the poems written in their childhood and youth are Mm -hmm. put in the back of the book or put in a different section Mm -hmm. and pointed out that, well, these poems were written when he was just a kid. Yeah. And 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 someone a minute ago was saying that the wonder why this poem is overlooked, why it's not more popular or read. And sometimes the 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 juvenile works of the writers are sort of looked on as lesser. Uh, yeah. And and sometimes that's that might be true from a technical standpoint or a life experiential standpoint, but not always. I mean so some uh, many of the writers have a genius from the very beginning and they start out great and just go from there even higher. Mm-hmm. That is very true. 
Yeah, I yeah, think H.P. Lovecraft is like that, too. I think some of the ones that I like, it was, like, when he wrote when he was 18, it was one of my favorite ones. I was like, but, yeah, it's kind of shunned. It's, like, I think it's called The Cave or something. I'm like, oh, I really like that one. But, <laughs> but on the other hand, Langston Hughes's poem, The Negro Speaks of Rivers, was written when he was 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, people kind of forget that fact. They think maybe it's he was older, but, no, he was 18 and riding a train crossing a yep. river and that's when he wrote the poem yeah virginia well, is that is alone in your collection um yes this particular copy um is a book from 1951 um and the way so the way most of my poe books um that i have they don't necessarily well i guess this one does um yeah this one does um they list them in not necessarily alphabetical order, but in the order in which they were released, which yeah, works with my brain. That's how my um, book is. The poems are, yeah. are done from early to late. Right. And so, of course, where this is, this is in that grouping of the poems that he released with Tamerlane. So... Um, I, I, there's a whole forward here that I know, you know, as I've been sitting here, I'm like, I feel like I did read something about this somewhere and I will have to go back and look yeah. um, at this particular forward and maybe I'll post it online. Um, okay, cool. Now my other book, oh wait, but I think this one is just the, yeah, this is just the stories. This is just stories. That's not the poems too. But this particular one is from 1951, and it does have it. And then the copy that I have right now is a newer edition collection, um, but it also has it in it as well. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess some for some people, I guess they just admitted to or decided not to, to put that in. Yeah. I've got some other smaller collections and it could be in one of those. I'm looking over. I can't see um, on my shelf right now, like where it they would be. So it could be in those, but I don't remember. So right. th- this is kind of my go-to that Jeannie and I use most of the time when mm-hmm. we're not, if we don't look it up online to read from mm-hmm. it. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, nice. I was say, will I was gonna say, will you disappeared? <laughs> yeah, you disappeared. You disappeared. I like that cover. Yeah, that's Woo-hoo. pretty. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I bought it in Boston see. last year. Oh, uh-huh. nice. Ooh. Been hanging out in Boston too. Right. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Now it does say that the website of the Maryland Historical Society includes a photograph of the original manuscript. So. Oh, oh, very cool. Okay. They ever want to see yeah. the original? Yeah, because I think from what I read, there is somebody maybe that's related to Lucy Holmes because she she did get married. I forget what her married last name was, but maybe a relative. Or, yeah. Do they still own it? The actual original, the album that belonged to Lucy? Uh, let's see. Well, it says here that it was first published in E.L. Didier's Scribner's Monthly. Yeah. September yeah. of 1875. So mm-hmm. I don't know if she, I don't know if they still have it for, because it doesn't say much about Lucy. It just, you know, it just says that it was in her work. Okay. So it doesn't say anything about uh, anything else. It just, that's it so okay um one thing that i think is really neat thinking about like her auto autograph book or whatever you want to call it is that um that was still fashionable in the 70s we're having like an, an actual autograph book they were like this big and you would mm-hmm. go around and people like if you went to a concert getting people to sign your autograph book and i had like two i had a little bitty one then i had a bigger one i can't remember i've got somebody's autograph in it i think i still have them but 
it, that was just so much fun taking those with you and getting people to do autographs and mm -hmm. that it's just weird to think about those things now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now they I would was... charge you $250 for yes, something, yes. right? Oh, yes. those Comic Cons or whatever. Oh, dear, oh yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first con I went to and we had, you know, cause you lined up and they did the autograph thing and all that. It was for the Sentinel. I don't know if anybody watched the show. Mm -hmm. It was for the Sentinel. <laughs> and so I've never been big on getting autographs or, you know, Hey, meeting people like that, or it's okay. It's fun. But I just, I just look at them as just regular people. It doesn't, thing and so one of my friends i was with she told me she said you're not allowed to speak to any of them i went what she said you are not allowed to open your mouth and say one word to them she oh my said, gosh i'm like what are you talking about and she's like because no. you are just you're too blunt and i'm like what does that mean she goes well you know one of them asked you if they you if you wanted an autograph from them and you told them no you had some at home <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeannie, like, they're not wrong about you i mean come I know, on but, so i was like well I, I didn't think anything about it It wasn't that i was trying to be rude or anything i was just being honest i got some you know i got I'm like, the same way Jeannie. i did the same thing at this one because my i took my niece to the new york comic-con she spent it was like 550 dollars to record oh. him saying something as an anime cartoon <laughs> character and autograph and he's like what about yes. you i was like yeah no i'm not paying for your autograph i'm sorry yes. like sorry well, yeah and that's, and that's like uh, <laughs> i didn't i didn't think anything about it so but since then every every convention or con that i've been to especially because the last one i ever went to was the supernatural one and i that was just mostly because they drugged me it wasn't because not not that i had anything wrong i like they actually like the the story for the first season because you know it had that supernatural vibe and all that kind of cool thing about the Wendigos and all that since you know vampires and I was like oh yeah that's my thing my jam mm -hmm. and then they got really off the wall and I went this sucks but okay <laughs> so, <laughs> but you still had Dean Winchester you still have him I mean come exactly on. <laughs> I mean Jen, yeah I still had Dean and you know all that kind of stuff so but yeah um, there's nothing wrong with autographs but could yeah, I'm like now. Why would you pay you that much just for somebody's signature? We'll be. Yeah. Oh, and football players, baseball players, all that. I mean, sure. Don't get me wrong. If somebody told me they had Jackie Robinson's autograph on a baseball, that would be cool. You know that that to me because that's the historical aspect of it. Yeah. Not because I have some kind of fanatical. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying I'm not. I call myself a fan, but I don't think I fit in with fanatical, you know, that true kind of stalkerish behavior. <laughs> You're not mailing only... anybody a body part. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> first and only, my first and only concert I've ever been to was New Kids on the Block when I was 18. Oh, and dear. <laughs> yeah it wasn't a choice by any means it's because my my best friend's cousin couldn't go because she got oh grounded God. so i got drug along so oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. so, hey don't get me wrong i, lo I love dan kotv but i just love the music i wasn't a I wasn't a fangirl you know but i almost died because of those fangirls they they heard a motorcycle and donnie Wahlberg was like driving in underneath the overpass because it was at thompson bowling arena and next thing, i'm just standing there i'm just hanging out didn't know anything next thing i know i'm hanging over the side with all 300 of these girls trying to kill me and i'm going i hate people let me go <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my gosh now you know i'd probably be stalker chapeau too you know i'd follow yeah. him if he had like poe you know poem readings and stuff like that but too but it's just weird. It's just it's just odd. But oh, yeah. I digress. Anyway, so do we have any other comments about alone? Because I think we do. We we ventured down my side road, Carmen, and you did a horrible job of keeping me on track. I told them <laughs> that I would keep on track until you got here, and then you had to be in charge of keeping me back on the road. I was letting you go down a little rabbit hole or around a couple of turns on the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, see, uh, hey, at least I didn't venture into the, you know, religion 
sidebar right. today. So All right. We're not going there. We probably yeah, no. don't have time to start that now, but that no. probably <laughs> is another level in this poem. But yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it is, yeah, but, but I didn't does, go there. Does anybody else have any other thoughts on the poem alone? Okay, well, Will says I definitely liked it. And as someone who likes to write poems, it's given me some inspiration after a dry spell. Well, that's good. Oh, nice. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and uh, one th and I think we've mentioned this. And uh, one thing that we are planning, you know, we're going to be doing our Poet Like Poe Poetry Contest the entire mm -hmm. month of April. Last year, we got it started a little bit later into April. And so uh, looking at the date... I think it's March 30th. Yeah. Mm -hmm. March 30th is the Saturday, you know, there's Sunday the 31st, but that's Easter. But Saturday the 30th is kind of when we're thinking about doing our kind of live poetry reading to kind of get that going. So anybody on here that wants to, you know, we would love to showcase you guys doing a poetry reading. You could do. We've had own. that conversation. Yes, we have. Yes, Virginia, Virginia and I talked about it at the PoFest. And so um, is that, I would say, is that a good date, you think? I was just like, it, it'll be right before March 30th. it. Yeah. And so um, we would love to have you guys, Let's if you want to do a reading of Poe's poetry, if you've got some of your own poetry, we just want to get people, you know, excited about writing poetry and submitting for the contest. So yep. be good. So. Yeah, um, it'll be an interesting interesting yes. thing to do and then uh november 28th is our next poe unplugged and we will be um having uh aaron adams who is the education director for the hermitage joining us and i know she's already cool. started reading king pest and getting ready for it because she was like i've read it a while ago i've got to reread and really sink that into my brain to talk about it um let's see uh, micah says if you could use my raven video for it let me know yes micah that would be amazing and with the um, straight jacket yes i yes. really want to see that when you're talking about that oh, so yes do i yes <laughs> and then um so yes so we will be doing king pest with mr president andrew jackson he's bobbling his head so I guess he's saying no, <laughs> but, um, Sounds about right. uh, let's see, hold on Micah. If I can find it real quick, um, cause he shared the video with me, I might be able to show it. Are you good? If I do that, Micah, I don't know if you have sharing. I think I made it to where you can share. Okay, he Since said yes. Mine, so yeah. Okay, y'all want to stay on here a little bit longer and okay. see it because it's it's amazing. Well, oh. since I'm recording, I don't know if I want to record that since we're gonna have him do. Unless Mike, if you're okay with it, because yeah, didn't you say we're gonna do it again in like April? April. Yeah. We'll, okay, yeah. so that's fine. Okay, let's see. Um, I think this may be it. Give me just a minute. Let's see. Let's see if this is it. No, that's not it. Hold on. I'm sorry. I should have thought about this earlier. Um, Hold on. Sorry, guys. Oh, here it is, I think. No, I cannot find it. Well, we can always send it to us in an email. Or no, no, I, can, I, can, I can wait till. Yeah. I got it. I got it. I found it. I found it. I knew I had to, I had to be more specific with, um, the way I was searching for it. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, we can all we can also put the link up when we post it too, in case people want to go see it. Oh, actually, the way he transferred it, it expired. So yeah, I'm not going to be able to do it tonight. So. Okay. So yeah, yeah, we'll share the we'll share the link via the okay. Poe Unplugged and the email. So yeah, and then Micah, we'll uh, if you can send it to us again, just in case something because she said it expired. So. Yeah, I guess it's probably only for a short time period. And um, yeah, because I, I tried it a different way and it didn't work. So, okay. Yeah, but right. I, I have seen it and it is amazing. It, it is yep. so cool. I have two and I give it two thumbs up. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So. <laughs> but. So if we don't have anything else, we've already got our date for next November. Next yes. November. Next in <laughs> not next November. That's a little far out. But wow. in November, which is Wait ironic on. since we're talking about King Pest, it's in the month of the election times. Yeah. So next yes. year. I guess that's why I jumped into next year because I was like, hey, yeah, I don't want to not, yeah. not looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, um, we've got our poetry reading in April and we also are lining up several more guests um, that, you know, made a lot of contacts at PoFest. And I think Will jumped off here. Um, yeah, he had to go. So. Yeah. And um, so it it's very exciting because we're we're getting to the point where we're probably going to start having possibly two guests for the month. And so that means two interviews a month as well. So I know Holly's like, yay, more content. Yeah. I feel like now it's like, I, as soon as you send the email, I was like, all right, well, I watched it. I'm like more. Yeah. Mark Dewinziak um, met him through Jeff, which is awesome. Thank you. And he'll be on for December. Um, we have one more that I think he's probably going to end up being also with December. Um, I'm not going to say who it is, but Holly will be like, oh my gosh. I already know who it is. You know who it is. <laughs> I think I do know who it is. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So anyway, right. so yeah. Thanks everybody for joining yep. us. This was awesome Thank tonight. You. Yep. Thank and we you. will see you guys in a few weeks. Have a good happy, happy Halloween. Yeah. Happy yeah, Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Have a great one. Be safe. <laughs> <laughs>